Bible, and I hope you do, because we're going to go through the Bible. Uh, please turn with me to Psalms chapter 122. One, Psalms chapter 122. It's a psalm of David, a psalm of ascent. And uh, that word ascent means thoughts, or, or um, thoughts that uh, were brought to mind. And I entitled the message this evening, It Brings Us Joy. It Brings Us Joy. Because David said here in Psalms chapter 122, verses 1 through 3, he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. And we'll stop there. And I, I love what David says here. I was glad... When they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And he was so passionate about that, about standing within the gates of Jerusalem and going up to the house of the Lord, because the house of the Lord is a place of safety. Here it talks about going into the city gates, into the house of the Lord and a City gates were very important in the ancient times. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, it says, He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. And so Jerusalem was a place of safety. And the Lord is a place of safety for the believer. So David was glad when they said unto him, Let us go unto the house of the Lord. And he's got some reasons why he was glad. Number one, it was a place where one is built up. David knew that this was a place where uh, a place of growth as same as our homes and our churches. These should be a place of growth where God's people receive God's wonderful counsel. You're here not to hear charismatic teaching. You're here to hear God's wonderful counsel and the Bible tells us that God's wonderful counsel, it says in Psalms chapter 1 and also Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, and 6 through 9, not to mention in other places, is a place of safety, a place where you're built up. The believer is built up as long as he is in the word. Be in the word. So the people were going up to Jerusalem and David was so excited. He said, they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. And he said, man, I was glad. And the apostle Paul said that we should also go to a place of safety. And that's a place in God's word. Ephesians chapter four, verse 14 through 16. Look what it says, because there's safety in God's word. When we listen to God's word, there's safety to the believer. It's like we have walls around us, a perimeter of protection. It says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, the word, the truth in love may grow up in all things to him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together and by what every joint supplies according to the effective workings by what every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So 
God's word is telling us there's safety from trickery, from cunning, deceitfulness in God's word, in God's counsel. That's why we're here. We're here to hear God's word. Why? Because the, the word of God tells us that we could be, we could lose out. The enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. He wants to take us off. He wants to rob us. But it says, it talks about a unity of being together that we, the body of Christ, God's believers, the believer should be growing in the word of God. We need the word of God daily in our lives. It says here, it'll cause us to grow. And when every part is doing its share, speaking of every believer doing his share, being in the word, it causes growth of the body. So you want to see a, a, a amazing church, a fantastic church, a transformed church, it starts with you. Because it says every part does its share causes growth. That's within the walls, within the counsel of God. We're called to grow like a new like a city being built up here, it says. We are a building that's being built up. And how is a Christian built up? He's being built up by the word of God. First Peter chapter two and verse two, it says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Again, you know, the Bible tells us we need to be growing, but the Christian only grows as he's in the word of God. You know, I could be a Christian for 20 years, 30 years, and there's no growth. There's no transformation in my life. There's a problem. Number one, it's probably sin. Number two is I have no care for the word of God. It tells us it causes growth. That word speaking of truth is God's word causes growth. As newborn babes, we should desire the word of God. You know what? And if we don't have a desire for God's word, we need to pray. You know, I just got done reading Psalms chapter 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And over and over and over it it uses the word revive me, revive me according to your word. And you know what is interesting? That word, it's a Hebrew word. It's kaya, that word haya. And you know what? I, I do martial arts. so I give martial arts analogies. And when we do martial arts, they, they do haya. You know, they do these little things. And it, the reason why they do it is to, to uh, extend power, to, you know, to 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 push that power in your katas and makes and makes your your uh, give a full impact. But what he's saying there in that word hayah, the Hebrew word, is nothing from within you. It's what God does in your life, and we need a lot of work of God in my life. You know, and the psalmist prayed, "Lord, revive me according to your word. I want you." To Hayah in me. Do, do that resurrection in me. Give me a hunger. Maybe there's there's areas in my life that just seem dead or I'm just burdened. I'm just not where I should be. And you know where you should be. And you need that resurrection, that, that revival in your heart. And that's a work of God and the word of God. So Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says, But grow in grace... And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So the Bible tells us like a strong city, we need to grow. That city was built up for safety. 
We're, and the same thing with us. We're here in the house of God to grow, but it's a place of safety where we're receiving counsel, where we're learning grace and the knowledge of our Savior for God's glory, both now and forever. So within the gates of this community, that is, it says here, compacted together, it's a place of unity. It's a place of fellowship with God and his people. See, God wants us to have a community. He wants us to fellowship with one another. But our fellowship is with him and with each other. You know, Jesus talked about a oneness. And you know what? The enemy's always trying to divide us. He's always trying to sow discord. You know, little things. Little bickering and backbiting. And, you know, he's, he's a sneaky snake. And, and all too easy, we, we listen to him and we separate. You know, and... Proverbs chapter 18 tells us it's fools separate, fools isolate. We're not called to be isolated. We're called to be in oneness. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verse 20. You know, Jesus was going to the cross and he's praying to the father and he prayed that they all may be one. Speaking to the believers. And he says, as you, father, are in me and I in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you sent me. Now I'll repeat that last part. That the world may know that you sent me. You see, Jesus wants us to be one with him, the Father, and each other. And there's a result that happens as a unity with God and a unity with each other. Jesus says that the world may know that you sent me. We're a witness. We're a witness of the love of Christ. You know, we we are Christians. And he said, they will know me. The world will know that you are Christians by your love for one another. You know, I, I have to pray, Lord, help me to love. Help us to love each other the way God wants us to love one another. You know, help us to to care for one another. Look, look what David was saying. It gave me joy. I was glad. When they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because there was safety there. A oneness there. And here in verse 4, David said he was glad because they were going up, he said, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. So they were going up to God. They were going up to God. David was glad that the people were going up to the place. Number one, they were going up to the place where the testimony was. The testimony, he says. The testimony of Israel. To give thanks to the name of the Lord. That place of testimony is Israel is the place where God's work was declared through his word. Okay, it's a special place, but it is a place where God gave testimony to his word where God did all the things that he did there. There are testimony to who he is. You know, you think about all the prophecies. If you turn in the third chapter of Genesis chapter three, we see Jesus Christ in, 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 uh, in the garden. Uh, we also see him as the lamb that was slain there in the garden for the sins of the world. We see him in uh, Psalms 22, we see him in Psalms 23, we see him in Isaiah chapter 6 and, ver uh, six and 9, we see him all through the Old Testament. 
the sacrifice, the, the Passover lamb. We see Jesus through there and prophecy of his coming. He's going to come. He's going to do this. He's get, you know, they're going to they're going to nail him to a cross. They're going to pierce his hands and feet. We get all this prophecy through Israel. That's where it all happened. Man, it, it gives the testimony to the work of God, the word of God. We, we have validity in the word of God. How do we know that the word of God is true? Prophecy, prophecy. All these things came to pass. They all happened. As they said they were going to happen. Even the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Jesus said it was going to be, it was going to be torn down. Not one stone will be left upon another. And the only thing that we're waiting for next in biblical prophecy is his second coming. We need to be ready. He's going to come as a thief in the night. So the testimony bears witness of the work of God. You know. You know, we have this united message. You know, God wants to save people. Why? Because it's appointed for man to die once, then the judgment. Everyone's going to die and stand before God on the day of judgment. And here in the word of God, we have a united message. You know, we know what's going to happen. We have history lessons. And we know in the word of God that there's power in the name of Jesus. We know that he has power to raise the dead. He has power to work in our lives. This gives testimony and validity to what he can do in your life. But we have to believe it. We have to be in the word of God to know the mind, the heart of God. And where do we do that? In the house of the Lord. In the house of the Lord. It builds me up. I, I, could, I declare his mighty works in the house of the Lord. We learn to seek his wisdom here and we seek his power, the work of his spirit. But David was glad because they were going where God was center, the center of worship. And God needs to be the center of our worship, a place where we give him thanks here and praise. You know, you know, I worship at home. You know, I worship, I worship in my office. I, I mentioned before, I have a guitar in my office. I have a guitar on my, on my sofa. And I worship every day. But there's something special about when we gather here and worship. Man, I'm so glad to worship with my brothers and sisters. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing to, um, to walk in, in, the, in the ways of the Lord. But David, David was glad, he said. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You know, it, it's a special place. God's, God's uh, word is a special place. His, his works are a special place. And in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 41, this is how special God's word is. It says, let us lift our hands towards the God of heaven. You know, that's where we're worshiping together. We're lifting our hands to the God of heaven. The one who did these mighty works. That's why we sing. That's why we praise. Psalm chapter 9, verse 14. It says that we would tell of your praise in the gates of the daughters of Zion. I will rejoice in salvation. Psalms chapter 21, verse 13. Be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength. We will sing praise because of your power. Psalms twenty two twenty two says, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. Psalms chapter 35, verse 18 says, I will give thanks 
in the great assembly, I will praise you among many people. So this is a special place. It's special when we gather together. You know, why? How do I know it's special? Because God's word showing us it's special. You know, a lot of people say, well, I worship my own way. Well, God doesn't like your way. He likes his way. Your, your way is probably wrong if it's not according to his word. And a lot of people have that misconception. So David was glad when they said to him, let us go to the house of the Lord. And here he continues in verse five. He says, for thrones are set for judgment and thrones for the house of David. See, David was glad they were going up to a place. And the reason why we go up to the place and here he talks about thrones uh, in the and judgment and the house of David. And David was glad because David knew that God's house is a place where God's people calibrate their heart, calibrate their heart. In other words, we have a thermometer, right? And the thermometer is off or there's a reading that's off. If I'm off. Or a machine's off, they calibrate it to make it right. If your car engine is not running right, they put it on a machine and they calibrate it so that it runs right. It runs right. And for the believer, when he goes into the house of the Lord, he calibrates his heart according to God's word and we get right. Because our conscience tells us we're not, we're not right when we do wrong. So David here is saying... You know, he was glad when they were going to the house of the Lord because uh, they want to we want to calibrate our moral judgment by God's standard. See, God will bring us back to the right place where we need to be when we're away from God. We're out there. But when we're in God's word and a right relationship with him, he gets us back on track. So it's a place where we. Uh, get to grasp the goodness of God, but also we get a, a grasp on what government should look like according to what God's standard is. Because God is going to deal with government and God is going to deal with our homes. Here it shows us, it talks about David's home here, but it also take a look at our own homes. You know, it's a place where we get a, a look of what our homes should look, how our government should look, how our church fellowship should look. And it's always better if we follow what is taught in God's word. It's always better for us. It's always better for us when we follow what's God, what's taught in God's word. We're a better off people. The government's a better government when it's governed rightly. You know, does it really matter going to the house of the Lord? You know, a lot of, you know, people could say, well, you know, that's cool for you. Does it really matter? You know what? It does matter. It does matter. We're better off when God's people are in the right place, doing the right things in right relationship with him, with us personally, with our homes and our country. There are three kinds of cultures. There's a theonomous culture. A culture that's governed by God and subject to God's authority. That's that's where we used to be. You know, when we are a, are a nation built under God by God, uh, having laws that are respectable to people according to God's word, we're better off. But something happened in our culture. So that's called a theonomous culture, 
a culture that's governed by God and subject to God's authority. There's also another culture, a culture that is called a heteronymous culture. A heteronymous culture is where the politicians and the elites, the ruling class, deem what is socially acceptable. We see that happening a lot. They're passing laws that are socially acceptable, not abandoning God's morals, moral standards that we used to have. And then we're headed into this next phase. But also there's another kind of culture, autonomous culture, a culture that dictates what is acceptable. And how does this impact us? We, We could say, how does this impact us? And when God rules, because David's talking about government here, thrones and powers and his throne, when God rules in our lives, the government forms its laws based on God's moral objective standard. It's better for the people. When we're following God's moral standard, when the politicians are doing things in the right, in the sight of the Lord. These objective moral standards are a framework rooted in God's word. You know, the, 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 the government or our country would be better off if we follow God's moral law. Our churches have abandoned God's law, God's word. Many churches have abandoned God's word. Uh, most teachers or a lot of teachers are teaching unbiblical principles. But if we teach biblical principles and the people rightly apply God's word, it's better for our homes. It's better for us and it's better for our communities. Things work better at home and living according to the Bible and my role and my responsibilities guided by scripture and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit we're better off. But when man rules, a government is formed according to the elites, according to the ruling class. And these standards are set. They're lower standards. They're subjective moral standards conforming to what the elites say and the ruling class deems is right and wrong. In the churches, what happens when God doesn't rule? Pastors start pe- teaching a man-centered message. It's the worship music is man-centered instead of God-centered. You know the teachings based upon the pastor's feelings and not the Word of God. Home starts influence our society starts influencing the home, and then it becomes the norm. And then we go to the last rule of I rule our autonomous culture. Where it's government according to however I, want, I deem. In other words, everyone is making just crazy rules. There's no more moral standards. There's no more values. You know, we, we've tossed God aside and there's no moral values. God, according to my ideas, is anything permissible? And that's where we're, we're headed. That's where we're at in a culture. We've left God. We've left moral standards. Anything is permissible. And church, we haven't seen nothing yet. As we go farther away from God. You know, it's at 
If you read Judges chapter 17, verse 6, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. What happened to that culture? Man, God gave them 400 years to repent, and they didn't repent. They were wiped out. Immoral society got ruined. You see... As a society gets farther away from God and his standards, it's no good for that society. So David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know, this gave David hope. And, you know, this should give us hope when we see the world, you know, getting uglier and uglier. Man, it gives us hope to be in the house of the Lord. This should give us hope. Why? Because I can't change society by laws or picketing, or boycotting. I changed, we changed the society by sharing the gospel. God changes hearts. That's where we pray. So David was glad when they said to him, let us go to the house of the Lord. In verse 6 through 9, David says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, uh, that they may prosper who love you, peace within your walls, prosperity within your palaces, For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. So the place of peace, you know, we're coming to a place of peace where God ministers to us, where we could find refuge in the house of the Lord. David was glad that the people were coming to commune And to experience peace. And who's called the Prince of Peace? Jesus. We're here to to spend time with Jesus. You want peace. You need Jesus. You need to spend time with the Lord. Isaiah chapter uh, 9 verse 6. Speaking of Jesus. It says, For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. And the government is upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful. Man, you want to feel special? Have that relationship with Jesus. He's wonderful. We, we need to have an intimate, personal relationship with the Lord. It's wonderful. We'll be better off. But he also, said, he, he also calls the Lord not only wonderful, but he calls them counselor. Counselor. The Lord wants to counsel you every day. Every morning, he wants to counsel you. He wants to get you ready to go out in the world. So David was glad when they said unto him, let us go up to the house of the Lord, because he speaks of peace here and the people need peace. It says the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Man, you have immovable things. You have trouble. You have difficulties in your life. It it says Mighty God. Is God mighty in your life? Do you see him working in your life? Man, maybe I need to, to do a hayah there. Lord, man, do a work of your spirit in me, Lord. Deal with the situation. Get involved in this situation, Lord. Counsel me. You're wonderful. And then he calls him in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, everlasting father. Man, everlasting father. Man, he wants to just bless you and minister to you. And to help you and encourage you and pick you up and strengthen you and carry, carry you sometimes like a good father, loving father. 
He always has your best interests. But how often do we come to him? How, you know, are we seeking him? But he calls him also the Prince of Peace. We have peace when we spend time with the Prince of Peace. He's the living word. That's Jesus. That it says here that that they may prosper who love you. And you know what? Uh, Jerusalem, Israel's a, a special place. And we see this in Genesis chapter 12. You know, uh, bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. You know, we do pray for Israel, the peace of Israel. But man, you know, in our in our towns here locally, there's no peace. You know, I, I have a group of people uh, praying next month on the 14th at VFW uh, at 10 a.m. We're going to we're going to get together and we're going to pray six young kids died this year alone in the city of Azusa. Six kids shooting gang violence. You know, I, I'm burdened for my city. You know, so we're going to start praying for that that work of the spirit and outreach. And why it, 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 it grieves me that, you know, just blocks away. I, I don't see the violence. I don't you know, I, I don't live in a bad neighborhood, but bad things happen. Bad things happen. And it, it just burdens me that these young souls are are going into eternity. And so here David's praying for the peace of Jerusalem. And, and we could pray for peace in our hearts, in our homes, in our community. But we need to get the Prince of Peace involved. And we need to be a people of prayer. But also David here prays for prosperity within your palaces. And, you know, we, we need to pray for our homes. We need, we need prayer in our homes that God would do a supernatural work. But David also cared about fellowship. He cared about his companions, his brothers and sisters, you know, and he was glad when they said to him, let us go to the house of the Lord. They were more than just friendly strangers and we're not called to be friendly strangers. You know, most of us sit in the same spot every Sunday, every Wednesday. But do we know the people around us? You know, I, I try to make it a point to know every person who comes in the name into this church and know their name. I want to encourage you. You know, David prayed for his companions, for his companions sake. He cared about their fellowship. He, you know, it, it, it bring him. It gave him peace. David said, lastly, peace be within you. Peace be within you. When David heard these words, he said, I was glad. Because David wanted to commune with God and he wanted to commune with his brothers and sisters. He was glad. And he said, let us, when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. See, David was blessed. The Lord was blessed. How do I know the Lord is blessed? He gave us the testimony right here. He was blessed when the people went to the house of the Lord. He wrote David's excitement because God was excited. God was blessed because the people had a heart to come to him. David was blessed. The Lord was blessed. And he gave us this passage to think about. And so too, we as pastors, we're blessed when we see you coming into the house of the Lord. You know, I want to encourage you as the days get darker and more evil. You know, don't be casual with your church going. You know, because a lot of times we... We'll say, oh, something else came up better. Something else came up better. You know, 
I pray that we don't have that attitude. Because, man, we need to be in the house of the Lord. Safety, counsel, wisdom, you know, God building us up, you know, encouraging us, strengthening us, you know, ministering to us, our homes, our community. Let's go to the house of the Lord, church, often. But let us leave here blessed beyond measure. See, God wants to do a supernatural work in you. Psalms chapter 121 verse 8 says, The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth, even from forevermore. Does it matter? Does it matter that we go to the house of the Lord? Absolutely. Absolutely. We are all better off. So David was glad when they said to him, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this portion of scripture. Father, we live in a culture that has this mindset that there is no king. Everyone is doing what is right in his own eyes. Father, may you give us a hunger for your word. May we be as the people around David. May we hear those voices. May we hear our kids. May we hear our prodigals say, let us go to the house of the Lord. Father, bring us into a place where we're, we're standing in your gate, standing in a secure place, Lord. Father, being built up by your word and, and, and being compact and united together as one. Father, may we experience the work of your spirit and may our lives be a testimony to the work of your spirit. Father, may there be evidence of that work. Father, revive us and transform us by the renewing of our minds, Lord. That we would give you thanks and praise for the wonderful things that you do, Lord. Father, you're in control of our government, our society. You're going to hold them accountable, but you're also going to hold us accountable, Lord. Pray for mercy. Pray for grace. Father, we do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the peace in our cities, in our country. You're our only hope. You're our only hope, Lord. Pray for my city, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would be a spiritually prosperous people, Lord. That we would love you, Lord. That we would love one another, Lord. That there would be peace within our walls. That there would be prosperity, spiritually speaking, in our hearts. That we would treasure the word of God in our hearts. And Father, for the sake of our companions, Lord, may we cause each other to grow. May we be as iron sharpening iron. Father, we pray, Lord, for the peace within us. Because of what you're doing in the house of the Lord. Father, we seek good. We seek you, Lord. You're so good. So do a great work of your spirit, Lord. Father, we pray and we ask these things in faith. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Well, I want